This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that keeps track of boring off-season hockey so you don't have to. It's time to do a little bit of forlorn stargazing as we hope that something, anything, please, happens very soon. Uh, joined today by Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Well, I think I just heard a monkey paw curl, but other than that, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> right? I maybe need to work on my phrasing as we get into jinx season, especially, uh, you know, but I stand by it. I, I would like for something to happen. I'm I'm a little bit tired of nothing. Uh, the Jim Nill extension was a nice oasis. It gave us a little bit of content, but um, I'm, I'm ready for pucks and sticks and goals and saves and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, it's like even when you make a deep run like the Stars did, you know, last playoff season, the, the offseason doesn't feel any shorter. It just still feels like you just get through this bare oasis and it's just like you said, it's like, oh, God, just please, any news whatsoever. I don't care. Just tell me something so I can something. start obsessing over that. <sighs> well, how have you been keeping busy? What's your what, what have you been up to this summer? You know, not too terribly much, just uh, lots of work uh, for the most part. Doing some some camping when before the weather it got unbearable which was pretty early this year back but, when uh, it was ni- a nice and chill 99 to 100 instead of a 105 I, we're dealing with now my, my wife's talking about like she looks at the weather every day like talking about like oh man like it says this day's supposed to be like it's supposed to hit down to like the 80s and i'm like yeah i'll believe it when i see it i'll take anything below triple digits for a high <laughs> Oh, Texas, Texas, Texas. And people wonder why hockey is so popular, right? How, who who could imagine a bunch of people living in a, a sun-baked wasteland would, would gravitate towards a sport played on ice? And yeah, in a nice, very cool building. With beer and yelling and the occasional fist fight. It sounds like Texas already. <laughs> there you go, right? Well, we are we are going to talk a little bit about hockey, believe it or not. For all of our whining, there is some stuff we've got. Uh, call this the calendar cast. So we're going to walk through, Tyler, the the kind of big, um, big events that still remain between us and the start of the NHL season. We'll talk a little bit about what each might mean. Kind of what the the biggest thing for me, I think, is is getting your perspective on as we go through each of these events. What are you looking at? What are you expecting to see, hoping to see, you know, dreading to see all of that, all that fun stuff. But that, that's really going to be the focus of today's podcast. We'll talk a little bit about um, you know, the schedule to come, and then we'll talk about some of the things that we're going to be doing on future spot podcasts as the season gets underway. So it, it should be useful information, no matter how we undersold it during the lead but um yeah it, it should be it should be a good primer as we start the process of of watching real for reals hockey which will be nice and so we'll start we're actually believe it or not just about a week away from the first big thing and that's the traverse city tournament which will be running september 14th through 17th i wish i could ask you your perspective on dallas's announced roster but they haven't they haven't done that yet so instead tyler i'm going to um approach it from this direction who who do you expect to see? Who are you interested to see? Who do you hope to see on the the roster when the Stars uh, head to Michigan? Uh, I think one name and uh, that 
sticks out. And to be honest, I'm not actually sure what his status will be, but Liam Bichelle was, was basically out for surgery earlier in the year. And he is basically, I think he's not even expected to be back. I have to double check that. But that, those are the kinds of people, players that those that are still relatively recent in our, their draft stock that I would say that interests me. You know, some people might say, oh, like, you know, if um, some of the bigger names, like, I don't even think a Simpson's eligible anymore. But the great thing about prospect turners in general is some of those names that you don't that are still fairly new to the organization that are still fairly haven't been able to watch much and see Mm -hmm. how they continue to develop especially just from a year-to-year basis where it's over the offseason you know a lot of development uh can occur you know and then you also like to see maybe a bit more step forward from some of your other uh lower draft picks that you think that okay how is this coming along? You know, it was kind of excited you at first. I'm thinking of players like, you know, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Barr, for instance, uh, just off the top of my head. That's what I kind of look at. You know, it's less of the anyone who's kind of more established and not even necessarily the people who are like just for the fresh draft picks, because I like to see that kind of what's this improvement from mm-hmm. year to year? How are they coming along and what have we seen? different that we can get excited about or concerned with and bichelle of course he's been out he hurt his ankle i believe it was he broke his ankle right before the start of the um was it the world juniors it, it, it was world championships and it there was like bef- it was right before yeah it was like, it was like a practice like during preparation yeah yeah and i know at the time it was a six to eight week recovery for um for the injury itself which in theory puts you know end of june but then you factor in off-season conditioning. I, I, you know, like you said, I, I don't know that we will see if the stars feel he's far enough along to go from being, you know, spending the summer rehabbing right into the mix at Traverse City, especially with, you know, he's expected to be a part of the Texas Stars this season. So they may, you know, he he was a guy. I, I love how you framed Traverse City, right? Because it's where we're. It's it's like the first impression tournament, right? And I think with Bichelle, I could see the team taking the approach of uh, he's somebody we're we're expecting to be an AHLer this season, anyways. So why why rush it, right? We're going to get plenty of time to look and evaluate and and grow him um, in that environment. So you know, I could see them looking at Traverse City and saying, "There's just not a reason to rush it." Would be no, my absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's. There's definitely that element. The game, it's for the prospect's benefit at the end of the day. Uh, it's for their further development. Stuff like that. And if you have a situation where you're looking at Michelle and you're saying, okay, where's the injury factor in? And where is his, you know, skill and development at? It could be obviously playing, you know, a couple of games. It's, you know, it's good for anyone. It's good for development. But you can definitely look at that and say, okay, this isn't a player who necessarily needs this tournament in order to continue progressing you know on the flip side you can also say hey if you know michelle's there and playing he's going to be our top defenseman he's going to be logging all these minutes if he doesn't if we don't bring him along that opens up space for other players to one just another person on the roster and the lineup but also just other players giving them the chance to step up and try and fill that role and that can maybe tell you more about the state of your prospects and help other, you know, those prospects with their development and their personal growth more than telling you something you you probably already knew. I love that. Yeah. Cause this, this, it's a tournament to me, Traverse city sets your kind of bracket for training camp. Right. And it's, it's that initial, 
gut check, the team undoubtedly has a view of where, you know, a player, a, a player like, you know, Bichelle, right? They undoubtedly have a view of where he kind of projects in, but they don't have a ton of firsthand evidence around that yet. So I think Traverse City is where you're looking at, you know, how it's, it's, is the range wrong, right? It does, does someone look out of place? Has someone, especially on the, on the lower end of the age spectrum for prospects, has somebody had a, you know, development spike physically over the course of this? Is somebody bigger? Is somebody faster? Is somebody out of shape, in shape, right? You're looking at, I, I think to me, Traverse City is where you put yourself into a certain conversation coming into the the actual training camp and preseason, right? Right. Traverse City is where you put yourself into that. Okay, you know, like a Wyatt Johnston. This is a guy that's fighting for a roster spot versus this is a guy that's fighting for AHL time versus this a guy that this is a guy that might need to go back to juniors, right? I think Traverse City is where you put yourself into, and, and you can certainly leave that bracket later. You know, there's there's nothing that stops you from you know, using training camp to emerge or something like that. But I think that it's easier, you know, you come in, you have a strong tournament and then immediately after, because the next big event is training camp kicks off September 21st. So it's that, you know, you have a great tournament, Traverse City ends on the 17th, three, you know, four days later, you head to training camp and, and that is the image that is most firmly etched in the coach's minds. So as they head into training camp, right, you want the coach thinking about, you know, if you're a prospect, you want the coach thinking about can, you know, can this player play at the next level up, right? Is this player NHL already, H, whatever. And Traverse City is your opportunity to put that question in their head so that when they look at you in training camp, they're they're evaluating you correctly right they're not they're not thinking it's not a can this kid hack it question it's a how how high can this kid go i mean absolutely i mean you kind of uh, right on the head it's just a good additional development like you said evaluation standpoint because especially when you're talking about young players because yeah yeah the preseason is very much geared or it is all about getting the nhl team ready and determining you know who's going to be there who are making that but you know, at the same time, it's also, I would say 99% of the team is already figured out just based on the roster construction when you're going in. And so it's, you know, there's the kind of the two facades. One, it's kind of like getting those, there's, there's a portion, which is getting those players, you know, kind of in the shape back. I mean, they're always in shape from the offseason programs these days, but getting them ready, getting them cohesive, you know, introduce new strategy. There is that portion that's also, you know, figuring out that, you know, where does that last roster spot come down to last spot or two, whether, you know, who's going to be making the jump and who's not. And then there's also just the continued development of, you know, the prospects, young players, how to work as professionals and professional hockey players. And this is the type of, you know, behaviors instilling on them and that kind of older players, uh, veterans kind of stowing that knowledge and helping them along. Traverse City in kind of ways is a nice way to kind of ease themselves into that. It's not a, uh, this is your first, you know, group setting of hockey, like since, you know, the last season or something like that. You've, you know, you've gotten to spend the tournament, get some playing time, get to be with other people in your similar shoes, you know, other prospects, a similar age group. And then that way, when you kind of come into the preseason, you continue to get development, but also kind of learn a lot of those soft skills or get exposure to them. You know, you're not jumping straight into the fire. You've kind of been, you know, warmed up a little bit and at the quote unquote top of your game heading in, which I think makes it really good for those young players. Yeah. And I think the point you hit on, right, is that these are guys, especially a lot of the younger prospects, these are guys that haven't, they, they've 
you know, been claimed by the Dallas Stars, drafted by the Dallas Stars, but they haven't been in the Dallas Stars, you know, literal system developing. So in a lot of cases, you're right. It's it's players understanding how the expectations change. It's coaches understanding how to work with the individual play. It's like everybody has to learn a new language, right? And Traverse City is that that first attend that first opportunity for actual stars coaches to spend actual time with some of these players. Or it's an opportunity for the stars coaching staff to spend time with you know, I'm sure that that they sat some of the guys from last year, right? There may be some repeat performers. I'm sure they sat down with them and went over expectations. This is what we want to see you work on. This is what we want. We this is where we perceive you need to develop. And I I would guarantee that that some of these kids they're they're coming into that tournament and coaches are going to be looking. Well, we told we told this person to work on their skating or their edge work, right? We told this person they needed to work on their release. And I bet in in Traverse, one of the first things the coaches are doing is going to that list. And saying, hey, who did who did what we told them, right? Who's in shape? Who's competing? Who's ready to go? And then I think when you get into training camp, you you kind of get into different groups, right? You've got on the one hand, like you said, most of the stars roster. Take one look at Cap Friendly, and you can probably get pretty close to what opening night's going to look like. So I think you have one class of players, and and you know the, the Jamie Bens of the world, Miro Haskins of the world, like guys that are going to be on the team. And training camp for them is much more around getting those rhythms in place, right? Getting getting that routine, right? The the workout, the recovery, the game, getting yourself into that cycle where you can, you know, compete at the NHL level in a game environment and then kind of prep your body for the next game, right? And so part of them, they're they're working their way into shape. What actually happens in training camp almost doesn't matter because they've been, you know, Jamie Ben has played, you know, we're not going to learn anything about him in training camp that we don't already know. Training camp is just about him getting ready for the games that actually matter. Then all the way on the other end of the spectrum, you have a guy like Maverick Bork or Logan Stankoven or players that don't have that experience, but through, you know, previous performance have put themselves into that conversation. For them, training camp is very much that, you know, prove that we can't get rid of you time period. You know, Wyatt Johnston is the most recent example of this. It's a kid that that, you know, his his ascent was really, you know, at every stage, it's will prove that prove that we have to keep you. Right. And so you've got that group and then you've got the third group, which is you know, veterans that aren't necessarily aligned with the team that are, you know, the PTO guys that are either looking to catch on with the stars or impress somebody somewhere else and catch on that way. Right. So you've got kind of those three classes all coming together um, for training camp and, and trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of things where there's no simple, like, okay, this is what it's about. There's a lot of nuances to it. And like you said, there's, you have the different groups and then those intermingles in ways, you know, you have the veterans helping out the younger players. You have sometimes like you have a party at Joe Pavelski's house, right? Exactly. (laughs) Or then sometimes you have the players, you know, like white Justin, where you're expecting, it's like, uh, you're the young guy. We're trying to get the develop along. And then it's like, Oh, actually you're one of the people that's actually making a push for the roster. Like that's, that's great. You know, people always talk about, you know, especially these days with how, you know, NHL players, the amount of work they put in and, you know, and money to like keep themselves in shape and off season workouts. It's, you know, used to be long ago that, you know, preseason when it was a lot about, you know, getting into shape and getting ready. And now at this point, they kind of already already. And, <laughs> and it's like figuring out that kind of rhythms, as you say. And so people are like, oh, why is training camp so long? Or why don't we cut down the number of games? But there's still those other aspects that still provide a lot of you know a lot of worth and value not to not to mention just the basic fact of you know bonding as players and franchise and the team and stuff like that and just getting that kind of 
longer runway out in front of them, you know, before, you know, because the majority of those players are going to either be teammates in Dallas or they're going to be teammates in Cedar Park. And I, I love and, that you call that out because, I mean, think about even going going back to the COVID season, the year Texas froze, like think about all of the examples in recent just Dallas Stars memory of how important it became for the team to have that kind of bond to propel it forward, right? Like it's not, it's not don't hand wave the, oh, well, they have to get to know each other. Like think about the time an NHL team spends together, the proximity, the things that they have to go through as a group, like that stuff matters. And <laughs> and speaking of a team, Tyler, it's always good to have, have a, a supporting team, a powerful team in your corner, especially if you've been hurt in, in some kind of injury, uh, an accident, received malpractice from a physician, hospital, just anything bad has happened, right? And, and I can't think of a better team to have in my corner than Greening Law and, and someone that, that really does have my back when, when life and circumstance and, and trouble kind of takes my attention away from the important thing, which is getting healthy and, and healing and renewal. And so, I, I mean, I know we talk a lot on this podcast about the stars. We're, we're talking just now about some of the downtimes that they've gone through and, and some of the the heights that they've hit working together as a group and just just want to take a moment to say thank you to our sponsor, the green team and call them out as, as every bit as fierce competitor in the legal space and someone that will have your back and someone that can help you with those types of claims and get you through those tough times. Uh, the important things being that, that when you do reach out and when you, we talk to the green team, that, that consultation is free, right? They're only going to get paid if they get you compensated. So if, if you are going through a tough time, if you anticipate a tough time, if you just need some help, give the green team a call at 972-934-8900. Again, that's 972-934-8900. Their principal office is located in Dallas, Texas, and they are a big fan and friend of the cast. We cannot thank them enough for helping us do what we do. Anyways, Tyler, you were, you were talking about the group coming together and, and the way that training camp is really, you know, not just our first taste of how things, it's the first time we see line rushes. It's the first time we see those combinations. But there's also a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it, it's very, it's the sort of stuff that you you just overlook when you're just a fan and you're just kind of looking at it. You know, there is definitely an inclination to, you know, just kind of gloss over the preseason and then the stuff like, you know, preseason doesn't matter. Let's just wait until the regular season actually starts. But it's you, you you don't have all of these players, you know, suddenly chiming up or whatnot, or it comes like bargaining agreements or like just discussions with the union of saying, hey, let's cut down on the preseason or like this is kind of pointless or I wish you're going on. And maybe part of that's just like hockey players being hockey players and, you know, you just say what you say and what's expected of you. But they, they clearly get value out of it they definitely see the importance and if anything it's even like i said if it's not even as important for us you know some of the veterans or some of the older players they still you know remember their first training and camp experiences you know and how preseason and how that was impactful and important for them when they were younger and they can see that you know same importance for the other younger players so it's just kind of those things where it's like yeah, I can understand from, you know, an entertainment perspective, from a fan, if you like, okay, yeah, do I really care about going to see this preseason game where it's a bunch of people who aren't even going to make the roster and it's against playing against a bunch of other people that aren't going to make a roster on the other team. But there's definitely there's definitely value and worth that comes out of it for the teams and for the players. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. And of course, building to that first preseason game, 
on September 24th against the Coyotes um, with preseason officially starting Coyotes on the 24th, then the Wild Abs Blues. We'll get more. They'll do split squads. Preseason is, is kind of a bonkers time in the NHL in terms of who plays, when they play, sometimes why they play. But, uh, of course, Tyler, the, the key thing to focus on, I think, for the preseason is the wins and losses matter a lot, right? Absolutely. If you don't, if you're not undefeated, then you know why even bother the watching the regular season. Oh man, that that is the opposite of what's actually true. Again, going back to this is where you're working on on line combinations, on specific looks on the power plays. Sometimes preseason games, not always, but sometimes are even scripted in terms of teams will get at a certain time they'll get a power play and a penalty kill just because everybody wants to make sure they get to work on everything they need to work on. So I think the the best analogy is it's almost it's like the NFL, right? It's like uh, friendlies in soccer. The things that matter in preseason, it's not even production, right? You don't need to if Jamie Ben doesn't score a goal in the preseason, that means almost nothing. In terms of the season, I'm, I'm picking on Jamie Ben right now. I don't. I don't mean to. Please, please don't hit me. But uh, it's it, it's it's much more. The things you're wanting to look at are, you know, for me, who is Matt Deshane playing with? Right. That that's going to be something to focus on. Where does Wyatt Johnston sit in the lineup after his kind of emergent first year in the league? You're going to be looking at guys like not necessarily the you know. A player like Leon Bichelle might get some time. The further back prospects might get some looks, but really in the preseason, you're starting to try and read those tea leaves about who might make the team. For example, if if Logan Stankoven all of a sudden starts spending a bunch of time with you know some of the veterans, with Tyler Sagan, with Joe Pavelski, with you know Jason Robertson or Rupa Hans or whoever, if he starts spending a lot of time with NHL players, then that should perk your ears up because the team is looking at, you know, looking at those types of combinations, you know, also looking at ice time. If he's playing a lot, that probably means they want to see a lot. So those are the sorts of things much more than the wins or losses that matter in the preseason, right? What is, what does the second power play unit look like? Who is, you know, who is getting time on scoring lines? Who's, who's being rested. We've talked a lot about how Jim Nell signs for, and then Pete DeBoer likes players with that, that wing sense flexibility. So what's the breakdown? You know, how much time is Tyler Sagan spending over the dot versus Deshane, Jamie Ben, Wyatt Johnston? Is, is Stankhoven, are they looking at him as a center at the NHL level? Are they looking at him as a winger? Those are the sorts of things you can start to read through in preseason games that, you know, again, not the wins and losses, that stuff doesn't really matter. But those those are the types of things that you're going to look at that might give you some actual insight into how this team views itself with the the actual games meaning something. You're right. And I think one of the points you, you know, you touched upon that I think is definitely a big sticking out is, you know, ice timer line mates for some of those younger players. And not even from a standpoint of, oh, you know, Stinkovin is playing with Duchesne and Sagan. That must mean that he's going to be making the roster. Or he's going to be having that lineup. No, it's because the stars understand, you know, much like when Wyatt Johnson made that leap. And the stars, and to their good to their credit, it wasn't going to be a well. Here we have this young player who's making the roster. They are starting on the fourth line and limited minutes. We got to work this way up to start playing there. No, it was very much a hey. Let's see how he looks next to some of our players, and let's see what those you know lines could look like. And the truth, of, the fact of the matter is, for someone like Luke Logan Sinkovin, he's going to get uh, if he's up here in the NHL. The only way that really happens is, or that's going to happen, is if he ends up being, you know, kind of in that, you know, top six, or at least alongside those types of players. Like he's with 
Tyler Sagan or Matt Duchesne or, you know, Wyatt Johnson moves up and he's the one that's with uh, Benedetanoff. It's like, because I think this coaching staff, the organization, you know, understands that for those types of players, you know, you're kind of your star players, they need to be in that position where they are getting quality ice time and teammates because otherwise, you know, what's the point of having them up? Uh, yeah. So that's the, I mean, so we're going to see stuff like that. Whereas opposed to if you have players who are, you know, some of the people like Sam Steele are brought in for the offseason who are going to be looking more for fighting for that fourth uh, line spot or some of the other players throughout the uh, organization who are, or so young players, you know, and are still trying to make that leap, but it's a very different role they would try and fill in the forward core. And so, you know, from Dallas's perspective, if there's any chance of Stankovan making the, the roster and, you know, that could be <laughs> pessimism in there could be <laughs> discussed, but if there is a chance for there, that's the role it's going to be. That's where he's going to get playing time. And I think if I, if we don't see that at some point, or we start to see less of that, then that would kind of be a sign to me that, okay, it seems like they've kind of made a decision. He's probably going down and now they're trying other combinations. We're trying to see how other players feel with that or different stuff like that. But as long yeah. as, yeah. And I would say as well, in some cases, we, we mentioned Stankoven, it's going to be on a seeing how they line up next to players, seeing how they look next to other players could have a literal component, right? Because his one of his big, one of the things, hold back is the wrong word because he's a phenomenal player and prospect, but one of his worry elements is his size. And I think one of the things that, you know, you may not be able to see, to your point, it's preseason, right? So you're not going to be able to one-to-one translate how he's going to play in an actual NHL game, but you are going to get to see how he how he handles you know NHL defenders right how he handles board work right you're going to see how he physically stacks up which for some of these guys there it's it's important a guy like Liam Bichelle when he when he gets there it's for him it may be about foot speed he's he is on the opposite end of the size spectrum from Logan Stankoven so for him the questions might be around well he's got the size can he can he move and use it right that was the knock on Jason Robertson as as a prospect was plus plus in a lot of areas, but will a skating hold him back and training camp and, and preseason games are when you start to answer those types of questions, because you don't necessarily need to have a full NHL roster and, and full NHL. You, you don't need to have like the full NHL experience to evaluate some of those physical things. Really on some level, you you just need to see the guys line up against each other. You know, how does Logan Stankoven's compete level adjust when he's playing against guys that are 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", you know, 220 pounds, right? Does does it track? Is he still a bulldog? Is he still capable of of getting to lose pucks, making a difference, right? That's that's what you're watching because the cruel reality is at the next level, that's who he's playing against. He's got to learn how to do it. Absolutely. There's definitely a element. And <laughs> I worry of saying it like this because it's making it sound like, you know, some like anti, you know, analytical thing or something but it's like there is definitely an aspect where it's you know we can sit here and on pen and paper and spreadsheets or whatever and you know pencil out yes this is the ideal lineup or this is how things look or oh we can put this player here stuff like that and you know coaches obviously already doing that but there is definitely that element of getting the players there seeing how they match up and even just seeing some stuff like chemistry and stuff like that i mean you can have great players who just don't mesh well together yeah. or you have ones that kind of immediately, you know, clump together. I mean, like, you know, we saw that with Ben and Johnston last year where Ben and Johnston played pretty much the entire season together and originally with Delandria and then eventually I don't know. And, but th- that was kind of a constant. And 
there's probably that's probably something that the coaching staff picked up on during preseason and during training so, camp. Right? And they saw <laughs> right, yeah, but they kind of saw that idea when they were deciding, okay, when it came to final cuts, do we think Johnson he can make this a leap, or do we think he needs to go ahead and he needs to get an extra more year development, you know, in juniors? And it kind of there's definitely that almost for certain. I can't say this with certainty, but I would be very surprised if this was the case having that seeing him and say hey we think he can definitely do well in the lineup next to uh jamie ben you know and they'd already been talking about hey housing with joe pavelski because they already kind of you know the reports were they already kind of knew ahead of time that he was going to be making the roster that was expectation but stuff like that that you would have observed in training camp and like how he meshed well with other players and how he kind of fit in Definitely as a coach gives you that a sense of, you know, security, especially for these young players, because we all know coaches love to trust the veterans and love and uh, and are very hesitant to, you know, turn over the reins to, you know, younger players and rookies. But so when you can see them do well or you can say, hey, this is something that can work or pair them with this person or when they're in this situation, I feel confident about it. That's when you're able to then take that next step forward and that player's, you know, development and their role in your team and becoming better. That's stuff that you get to see then that you don't have time. You don't have time to see that. Okay. Well, let's see in the regular season and, you know, we'll give it, you know, the eight games or whatever and see how things go. I mean, at that point it already starts to, you can do that and teams will still do that. But not not teams with high expectations. You're right. The date for Dallas with their goals and what's expected of them in the NHL this season, day one, they're you know they they're not going to have the luxury of finding spots and lineups and massaging things. They're they're going to be expected to come out of the gate hard and successful, and that's that's just going to that that's in a lot of ways going to make training camp more important because it's going to limit that in season opportunity. I did have two names that I wanted to float by you. We're talking training camp. One one veteran and and one prospect, not Stankov. And we already talked about him. I've got two more. Tyler, which would you which would you like to, like me to hit you with first? Uh, let's keep talking about some prospects just because that's how uh, I keep a nice flow. I, all right. I love it. So the guy on my mind is Maverick Bork, who was in the mix last season. Right. He stank over in Johnston. And I remember having conversations where it was, hey, one one or more of these kids might make it. He, of course, didn't went to the AHL, didn't have I, I won't say struggle because I don't I don't believe that he struggled. I think he just it took him his took his production a while to catch up. But by the end of the season, he was a an effective offensive force, you know, 200 foot player. Great. He had he had a very good season in the AHL. So, of course, this year, a lot of focus on him taking the next step, joining the roster. But looking at Dallas's free agency, right? Shane Steele, right? They, they brought in players at his position. So he's a guy that I'm wondering, what is he playing for in the preseason? Really? I think, I think that's a great point because going back to kind of some of the pessimism and, and approaches, you know, Nil is, I mean, let's just lay out facts. Jim Nil is very much a over ripen and get, the player, the majority of your prospects get them a lot of time in the AHL and bring yep. them up when they're ready. I mean, we, I mean, yes, we saw Wyatt Johnson last year, but we also saw Thomas Harley not doing so and coming, you know, much later. And this is something that Nil does every year. He signs veterans to fill up those bottom spots instead of kind of trying to leave things open for some of those younger players to go up. 
it sings a little bit less this year because Neil's also very much a play, uh, GM who gets players that fit his coaching styles mantra, which is why you get more offensively minded forwards such as Sam Steele instead of, you know, penalty killers like Luke Lindenning or stuff like that under old coaching staffs. But there is definitely still that element. So for me, Bork has to what what the coaching staff is necessarily looking at Bork. I don't think they're looking at him as a player of, yeah, he's gonna make the opening night roster and he's going to, yeah, let's give him that chance. I think it's more the expectation that, yes, he's going to be going back to the AHL. I think ideally what the Stars want to see is him to be in the AHL and have that kind of quick moment like Harley where he starts to do really well and he's like, hey, okay, you've got to bring him up, not because of necessarily because of injury or because you need an extra body, but just because it's like, a, hey, this guy can looks like he's ready to be a real deal for our team. we got to try, try it out. So I think as far as training – camp and the preseason goes I think it's the kind of expectation for Bork or what he's out there to prove kind of is how is that progression looking along how does he fit does it look like you know where does it seem like uh how far off he is from getting that tryout on the NHL level from getting that call up and seeing things you know like you were talking about earlier what are the type of things that he was told to improve upon that he has you know has he since worked on and stuff like that so to me it's kind of that's just my kind of more pessimistic, uh, not even necessarily pessimistic, but I guess more realistic, where I think he is there to show that progression and to continue to do better and to soak in all those, you know, soft skills and different aspects we've been yeah. talking about earlier, but not necessarily a, hey, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be a possibly mate in the opening lineup. And I'd even say the same thing for Stankovin, but yeah, I think definitely so. more so for Bork. It's it's interesting. I think in a way it's good the good news if you're if you're Maverick Bork or or a fan of Maverick Bork, right? The good news is I think the team still views him and wants him to be a top six or or at the very least high-end middle six asset, right? This is not a guy that is going to be a fourth liner right now, right? That's not how they're looking at it. That's the good news. The the flip side of that is I don't think that they view him ready for that right now. And with this team where it is in the competitive, you know, cycle, I think that's why they made the moves they made. And I, I would imagine if you could hit Jim Nill with the old truth beam, that the team is probably viewing him as a, you know, a late season slash basically the the Thomas Harley plan, right? I think that they want him to go wall to wall, gate to gate in the AHL this season as an impactful top of the lineup player. Once he does that, I think he puts himself in the conversation for a late season call up, um, an injury call up, and then a more full time role next season. That's kind of how I, knowing absolutely nothing, you know, that's that's kind of how I view his arc right now and, and what his opportunity. And of course, he can change that in to a certain extent by having just a. a a nutso training camp, right? He can press everybody. He's one of the guys we're talking about. I'm certain the team gave him a laundry list of things to work on, right? So if he comes into camp and he's done everything they've asked and more and is really a force there, we've talked about in the podcast, there are spots in the lineup. But I think that the way that they're intending this to work out is he's going to be a really good AHL player this year and then kind of segue into being a really good NHL player end of this season slash start of next season would be my guess. I, and then, I think that's a very good guess. <laughs> and so my veteran is what do you think what do you think about old Mason Marchment heading into training camp? Yeah, I, I think Marchment is 
First of all, I don't think he was necessarily as bad as people kind of gave him rap for. And you also have to keep in mind that, you know, there's two different two different things that come to mind for me when it comes to evaluating Marchment is one, some players just take more time with the new team. I mean, remember, I mean, we can look back and think about Joe Pavelski and his first season in Dallas during the regular season. Pavelski's right. Home. And then what a, and then what a it was terrible like, deal. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, well, thankfully, you know, he agreed to that third year with no move he he doesn't have the no move so we can expose him to the expansion draft and now look and he's you know entering his like what fifth year in Dallas and it's like oh wow like he's one of our best players and so one of the one of the most significant signings of the entire Jim Nill era I will say right and not that I think Marchment is necessarily going to be that but there's some players take more time you know there's opposite ends of the spectrum you have that you know not everyone could be a Matt Zuccarello and immediately mesh when they come into the team. Uh, and then the other aspect, you know, is there's definitely the fact that, you know, right before the season, his father passing away and that kind of, you know, new team, new place, living up to the contract. There's a lot of a mental toll. And you he definitely at first started strong and then he kind of got in that mid-season slump, which was just kind of brutal and can't help with your confidence. So for me, I, I expect... Marchment to just start the season as a whole. Uh, I, I expect him to kind of bounce back. I, I think what you're looking for, for uh, from the Stars' perspective, from the coaching staff, is as far as training camp is concerned and preseason, is does this look like someone where it was, hey, that was a rough season. Let's we're bouncing back now, and he's moving on. He's getting better. Or do you see, you know, continued signs or some of the things that worried you and it kind of puts you on edge? Because I think in that aspect, how much you kind of trust, you think you're going to be able to trust Marchman heading into the season will kind of have an effect on, you know, other roster decisions or kind of makeups. I mean, if you suddenly look like, okay, maybe it's looking like Marchman's a, it could be a second line forward for us, you know, then maybe you don't need to be looking at, you know, someone like like Logan Sinkovin or Matt Burke trying to be jumping up at the roster at some point to fill that role. On the other hand, if it looks like he's struggling, you know, then you have to start thinking, okay, if he's a fourth liner, like that opens up another hole or how do we kind of, who moves up? And it just kind of affects a lot. And he's one of the players, you know, more so than any of the veterans in the forward group where I think you're kind of worried about, where they fit into the lineup. Not that he's for sure going to be in the lineup. There's no question about that. But what kind of role he's going to fill because that's going to have ramifications on the roster buildup as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is, you hit it on the head, right? It's, it's And especially like, even if, if you flip his season, because for, for the first three, you know, through about December of last season, he was pretty good, right? Eight point, uh, I think it was seven points in the first month. Uh, six in the second, eight in the third, right? So he he kind of had so eight eight in December, yeah, eight in December, six in November, seven in October. So he started strong, and then it all fell horribly, horribly apart. But you know, I think you're right. If if he's the his task in the first in, in training camp is to to prove and demonstrate that he's the guy from the first half of the season that he's got an increased comfort in the lineup and that he needs to be considered in in one of those top slots and yeah I think it's it's really interesting to see and I think from you know the coaching staff standpoint is you don't want to give up on anybody especially somebody with the promise that he showed that season in Florida and early in Dallas and so if you're Pete DeBoer you've got to come in with the idea of you know it's not it's not exclusively 
can Mason prove this to us, right? There's an element of it is how do we as a coaching staff unlock the the positives that this player brings into the lineup, right? So I think that's he to me on the veteran side of things is the most fascinating because there's there is a lot going on and there are reasonable arguments to be made on either side of the performance spectrum, right? You could definitely look at last season and say, hey, he was adjusting where you know there was enough promise that we're we're looking at a you know a player that should be better. You could also look on the other side and say, well, maybe maybe this is just who he is. And he had that one banger season in Florida, and and you know he's a guy that might be on the trade market. And we're gonna not learn that definitively in training camp, but I think we will get some signs about where the team feels he's at in training camp. Yeah, and they definitely are going to give him every opportunity to prove that he is able to step up. Not just because it makes it would make the team better, you know, from a financial and investment standpoint, you know, it's not going to be, and he has that kind of better status where it's probably, it's not going to be a case where, you know, might think, worry about, okay, they're, they've kind of already made up their mind and, but let's go ahead and let's see, give him the chance to try and prove that he's better. No, it's going to be legitimately, I think, I don't know if I would use the word clean slate, but there's definitely, because there's still going to be that shorter leash, I feel like. But it's definitely within the star's best interest to try and put Markman in the best position to succeed and to have them do well. And like you said, prove that the player that he was, that he is, is that season in Florida and how he started in Dallas, not the player who went on the slump and then kind of was, you know, people arguing that he should be a healthy scratch option at the, you know, an elimination games in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I think that, and you hit on it, then we'll, we'll wrap things up. I think the biggest thing with Marchment is this isn't a charity situation. This is a player who has, he has been very good at the NHL level over a prolonged stretch, right? Not, not long enough that it's automatic that you just assume it, but, but this isn't, this isn't a prospect that's never done anything, getting a ton of, a, a ton of extra, the, the, of extra opportunity to prove himself. This is a guy who has done things that Dallas needs desperately. And they're just looking to see, is that still there? And we're going to find out it's, it's, and look at that. We, we started the podcast talking about how there wasn't anything to talk about. And an hour later, we're getting into the good stuff. So I think, Tyler, that like we said, the the big the big events coming up. Traverse City kicks off on the 14th, training camp on the 21st, preseason on the 24th, and then of course the big one. So we are in the home stretch, the light at the end of the tunnel, all of that stuff, and we're gonna have a lot of of good coverage, better coverage, especially once the team starts doing stuff next week. We'll get some rosters to chew over, and, and we'll have a lot of of good content for you fans of the cast. Tyler, thank you for taking time to join us uh, this morning and share your insight. KT, thank you for putting this all together. Thanks to our sponsor, the Green Team, Greening Law. And thank you to the listeners um, for sticking with us, for following us to to our new digs. And uh, we are just stupid excited about the season to come. This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.